the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us for the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer at 8 minutes past 9 o'clock on this Thursday, the 15th morning of the 8th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. My, oh, my. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, very disturbing things to talk about this morning, and uh, I want you to be a part of it right from the get-go. We're going to have guests on the program coming up in a bit. Uh, so if really, if you're looking for a chance to be heard today and not just to sit and listen, you're going to want to dial 8, uh, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. That's 888-281-1110. One of those numbers will get you here. If you cannot get in on the phone lines, then by all means, make sure that you, uh, tweet or uh, Facebook or parlor comment to me at France Radio on those social media applications disgusting as two of them are uh france radio f-r-a-n-t-z radio again all one word no spaces and no underscores we're going to start today with what happened yesterday in philadelphia a couple of different angles that we need to discuss um the shooting yesterday and the long standoff between philadelphia police officers six of whom were shot and wounded by maurice hill his name is maurice hill in north philadelphia that shooting um, revealed a lot about the people of Philadelphia, and quite frankly, it revealed a lot about the people of this country. As police officers, who, of course, you're not going to get me to go anywhere than I always go, anywhere other than where I always go when it comes to these stories. Police officers, like other first responders, but particularly police officers, are the best among us. Does that mean every single police officer is perfect? Of course not. But police are the ones who responded to the shooting. Police are the ones who run toward bullets when everyone else is running away from them. And in this particular case, they ran toward bullets that cut them down. 
Six Philadelphia police officers were injured yesterday in this shooting by 36-year-old Maurice Hill, the gunman, with a lengthy history of gun convictions and resisting attempts to bring him to justice. I'll tell you more about him as, as we go. That's just part one of the story. Terribly tragic and sad, and I can't even imagine how terrifying for the family members of police officers who knew that their loved ones were, were among those battling this, uh, this, this gunman in this, in this Wild West-style shootout in North Philadelphia. I cannot imagine being a child of a Philly cop yesterday, not knowing who or what had been, who had been hit, rather, uh, you know, how many, how many more would be, where your loved one is, I can't imagine being the spouse of one of those officers. It's just, it's incomprehensible, really. The job that they do is next to impossible under normal circumstances, let alone under these kinds of circumstances. But the second part of the story that we'll talk about, in addition to the shooting, is what the people of Philadelphia did. Now, I won't say all of the people of Philadelphia any more than I can say anything about any one particular group and declare them all to be something. But the fact that crowds of people in Philadelphia were actually throwing things and taunting the police officers who were under fire and responding to this extraordinarily dangerous situation tells you all you need to know. Not just about the people in Philadelphia who were doing this, but about the people across this country who continue to be force-fed an anti-police narrative by the likes of Elizabeth Warren, who continues to repeat the Ferguson lie five years later, by the likes of CNN, by the likes of of virtually most of the mainstream media and most of elected or would-be elected Democrats. Something that was started, of course, under President Barack Obama, the anti-cop narrative that was begun many years ago continues to grow today. We see it evidenced in Harlem, New York, and in other parts of New York when police officers are being doused with water, and Lord only knows what other chemicals might be next, Swarms of people interrupting them as they make arrests, which is their job. The people in these communities defending the suspects, the criminals who are victimizing the actual community. Defending the suspects being arrested by attacking the arresting officers. Now they're in a, in a shootout, a standoff in North Philadelphia, and they're harassing the police officers. Instead of hiding Instead of getting well behind police uh, tape lines, they're getting as close to the action as they can and taunting, mocking the cops. This as literally the National Football League, for example, takes sides against the police. Literally to the day. Did you hear that yesterday the National Football League entered into an agreement with Jay-Z and his company called Rock Nation to collaborate and coordinate with them on matters of social justice? 
where Jay-Z and his good friend and supporter, Colin Kaepernick, is once again being hailed as a hero for standing up for social justice and standing against oppression of minorities. The same Colin Kaepernick who equates cops to slave catchers. The same Colin Kaepernick who calls cops pigs. The NFL is complicit. The mainstream media is complicit. Hollywood is complicit. Barack Obama, his former AGs, Eric Holder, and and, uh, Loretta Lynch are complicit. They're all complicit in the anti-cop hatred, this, this attitude, this despicable, disgusting display uh, against police officers that continues unabated to this very day. Despite a pro-law enforcement president, despite a pro-law enforcement Senate, and many on local levels, the anti-cop attitude that was born in this country during the Obama administration continues to be pervasive today. And yesterday, cops were being shot at. And while they were being shot at, they were being taunted by civilians. Well, Natasha Yuki, they were trapped indeed. I'm going to agree with Greg here. The scene seems to have calmed down just a bit over the past two hours. We have not heard anything that sounded like gunfire since approximately 8 p.m., I would say. And I want to point out something interesting on the scene. We haven't seen any kind of lights up and established like we would see on a typical crime scene. But if you believe that is strategic, the reason why could be that police do not want that shooter to be able to understand their location or where they are outside of that home at this time. Now, as we were staring at this scene and watching all of this unfold, we were not the only ones watching. This is CBS Philadelphia, the uh, uh, new uh, television coverage in Philadelphia yesterday. And I'm going to play this until a reporter issues the money line. Onlookers had their gaze fixed east towards Broad Street, where just yards away, a shooter remained violently active. On nearby blocks, police really had no choice but to ask residents to back up and go inside of their homes. Some people on scene were just curious. Now, others stood outdoors because access to their block and home was severed due to safety concerns. From 4.30 to 8 p.m., gunfire did not cease for more than 40 minutes at a time. For some, the near constant sound of shots felt like nothing more than a horrifying reality of where they live. And for one veteran, it brought back memories of a war zone. Well, it's it's unsafe, but it's, this is the hood. This is what we live with every day. When they um, started dumping with the with the firepower stuff like that, they did it right in front of the daycare. The babies was out and everything. That's crazy. I'm 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 an army discharge veteran. I thought I was in the DMZ zone. Okay, you you know what I mean? Like it's triggering PTSD, all types of things. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, all of this needs to be resolved. It, it, it's senseless. Senseless. Seriously senseless. I do want to mention something disappointing that I saw today. I did see a crowd taunting police in the middle of all of this. But will I? what I'll say is the most frightening thing I think we experienced is that earlier in the day, the gunfire seemed to rattle people as they heard it. But as it continued on, it seemed to be something that they and we all became accustomed to. And that is not something you want for any city. While the rain has driven... That reporter, Alexandria Hoff, uh, posted on Twitter after her report there that she was harassed during the live shot for telling the people, the viewers of her television network, or television station rather, um, what they were doing. 
in harassing the cops. A major moment of disappointment, she tweeted, was watching a crowd of people taunt police officers, laughing at them and yelling at them in the midst of the gunfire they were taking. I want you to think about that for a moment. What have we become? And if we push back against this anti-cop narrative that, again, really which was, was birthed during the Obama administration, starting with uh, Professor Gates, where a couple of police officers dutifully responded to a break-in call at Professor Gates' home, only to find him trying to get into his home and daring to ask him for ID, daring to ask him to prove that he was the homeowner. Remember that? And Barack Obama, who's a friend of Professor Gates of Harvard, decided to make a public statement about the police acting stupidly for daring to question whether or not this particular man lived in this particular house. And the reason they had to have questioned that is because he's black and it's a really nice house and he couldn't really afford that on his own. They didn't believe it was his house because cops are racist. Because cops acted stupidly, he declared, in large part because of their bias. That was born at that time. It, of course, exacerbated. It was exacerbated through the eight years of the Obama administration, through Michael Brown, through Black Lives Matters, through Trayvon Martin, through so many other situations. And because of that anti-cop atmosphere, the protests of, of Colin Kaepernick were born, and so many others. And now cops are fighting not just the bad guys every day, but they're fighting the assaults, verbal and physical, of bystanders while they try to protect and serve their communities. It is simply reprehensible. Now back to the first part of the story. The shooter, Maurice Hill. Almost, not almost, actually simultaneously while the shootings were going on, some Democrat politicians were politicizing the shootings. Kamala Harris was on live television screaming about the need for more gun control while Maurice Hill was shooting at these police officers. Never mind the fact that we already have laws that outlaw people like Maurice Hill from getting guns. And yet, hmm, how about that? He got them anyway. He's got a lengthy history of gun convictions and resisting attempts to bring him to justice, he's not allowed to own a gun, and yet, somehow, despite the illegality of him having a gun, he had guns. Gee, whoever would have thought. This individual tried to murder a bunch of police officers. 36-year-old Maurice Hill, and instead of focusing on him, the left is focusing on the weapons. It's the gun's fault. If you'd like to weigh in on this, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. It's the lead story of the day, but not the only story of the day. Stay with us on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast.
right, it's 926 now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. We're going to be talking to Dr. Everett Piper at the top of hour number two. We're going to talk about guns. We're going to talk about uh, uh, a couple of other matters of the culture war, of course. And uh, you're going to want to be here for that. We're also going to talk national security coming up at about 1035 as well. Eric is in Monroe Falls now on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for the uh, call, Eric. Go right ahead. Yeah, I've been hassled on live shot too, uh, by, uh, it's getting worse and worse out in the field, I'd say, every year. Uh, I'm a could, t- yeah, I'm a TV news cameraman. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you when you said live shots. I thought that was a TV yeah. reference. So you're talking about what, yeah. uh, what we saw yesterday in Philly. Oh, yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. There was a shooting at some projects. Um, oh, hold on. Shots fired at some projects in downtown Cleveland. Uh, I showed up just doing my job. I got two kids to put through college, a mortgage. And, uh, you know, I like to go on a, take my family on a vacation once in a while. I don't have any other skills, so I became a cameraman. And I show up. <laughs> I show up trying to do my job. And I get these young punks from the project threatening me. Uh, one kid. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's getting worse and worse. You know, people blame President Trump uh, for some kind of anti-media you know, ginning people up against the media. Um, it, it, Trump, Obama, Mr. Rogers, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Um, uh, people are getting more and more hostile and less civil. And as uh, news people, we're, 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 we're seeing it, too. What kinds of things do you hear, Eric, when you're talking about reporting uh, from, or, or, or in your case, shooting, uh, camera shooting, yeah. that is, from uh, projects and other areas like that? What do you hear? What are they saying to you? You know, it, it just, there's, um, you know, we, were, we weren't always, we certainly were not always welcome uh, or even appreciated, but at least we used to be respected. Right. Uh, there, was a, there, there was a time where you could drop the name of an anchor who was very popular with a group of people, and they'd say, okay, well, uh, you know, if, if you're from that place, then just do what you need to do and get out of here. But I, I think that, uh, I think that line of civility has just been, uh, just been knocked over. So we're getting people saying, it starts out like, uh, we don't want you here, you're in the wrong place, um, don't take my picture, respect our privacy. Uh, this is, and I'm talking about on a public street. Right. And uh, now we're starting to get people, we're starting to get people kind of block our view, uh, stand behind us and shout things. Um, uh, during the Occupy, uh, I don't want to call it a movement, the Occupy uh, tantrum, yeah. um, you know, we, we, those, those people are, are, uh, Antifa also, and they, they're very organized and they, they can shut us down very quickly. Um, but yeah, well, you're 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 very, you're very right about the lack of civility and the hostility yeah. being on the rise. And, and Eric, thanks for your yeah. phone call. If they're doing it, you know, to the media and and shooters like him, and again, understand the vernacular of that uh, camera shooters. A shooter is a in television world, just a camera operator. Um, but if they're they're hassling reporters and shooters like that, um, that's one thing that just indicates a general lack of civility and a lack of respect for people doing their jobs. But when they're doing it to cops in the middle of a gunfight, in the middle of an active, you know, uh, a gun battle with a, with a barricaded and hostage-holding individual who is picking off cops and shot six of them, and they're mocking the cops, now we're in a different world. Now it's not just lack of civility. Now we're talking about subhuman behavior and subhumans 
don't deserve the police protection that they're getting, quite frankly. Now, the good news for them is police officers feel differently. See, I'm vindictive. It's one of my character flaws. I feel like you don't deserve police protection if you are going to harass, assault, or or accost police officers while they're being shot at. You don't deserve police protection. They ought to leave you alone the next time you call 911 because somebody broke into your place, somebody's doing something terrible to you or your family. I feel like they should leave you alone, but that's because I'm flawed. I'm not a good person sometimes. You're lucky that they are. The police officers are good, dedicated public servants, and even if you harass, accost, and assault them, they'll still come to save your life. You think about that for just a moment. All right, it's 9.36. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to pivot now to another subject. Um, yesterday, we spent some time talking about the immigration issues. Obviously, uh, we spoke with uh, Dave Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform, live from McAllen, Texas, on the border. But we were talking more broadly about the president's new enforcement of a Clinton-era law and policy oftentimes known as the public charge doctrine, that says when it comes to those that we admit to the United States as legal immigrants, we shall not admit to the United States people who would become public charges. What's a public charge? Public charge is uh, someone who is essentially a drain, a burden on the American society someone who cannot stand up on his own, someone who cannot contribute to the greatness of this country by working, by being a productive member of society, someone who is essentially just a welfare user or a welfare recipient, somebody who is just going to sit back and let the state take care of them rather than them contributing to the greatness of the republic. All right? So President Trump announced last week his intention to enforce that law. Well, you would have thought that Donald Trump had just, I don't know, you know, had just begun to invade neighboring countries and, and enslave people and send them to concentration and death camps. You'd have thought that Donald Trump literally just, just reincarnated Hitler. Oh, my God. How much more racist can you be? Why are you daring to tell, Ill, I'm sorry, legal, not even illegal, legal immigrants to this country, they can't come here unless they're wealthy. Why are you oppressing all of these defenseless, innocent people of color? To listen to the, to the left say it, I mean, Donald Trump seriously just committed some sort of war crime. All Donald Trump did was enforce a law that was signed into law by their patron saint of philandering, St. William, William Jefferson Clinton. In 1996, he's the one who signed the law. And it goes much, much deeper than that. Much, much earlier than 1996. In fact, we can go back to 1886. Part of the conversation yesterday involved a discussion 
of Ken Cuccinelli, prominent member of the Trump administration in charge of uh, uh, CIS, the uh, Center for Immigration Services. He had made it clear and told the public about the public charge law that the president and the administration was going to start enforcing to make sure that legal immigrants who come to the United States are not burdens on the country. Well, Cuccinelli, of course, was challenged. I played this for you yesterday, challenged by reporters, uh, particularly one reporter from NPR, um, who said, but what about the poem? What about the poem, Mr. Cuccinelli? Doesn't the poem on the base of the Statue of Liberty, doesn't that say that we can't just bring in people who are doing well? We have to bring in the, the refuse of other countries? That's right, refuse. The disposable uh, people from other countries, aren't we supposed to bring them in? Because the statue says so. And Ken Cuccinelli said, well, no, we're not going to be taking the poem off of the statue, but we're going to amend it a little bit because it's bring us your tired, your, your, your hungry, your poor, yearning to breathe free who can stand on their own two feet. Because it's not our job to be the world's welfare providers. That's essentially what could, oh, to hear that, oh my God. The Statue of Liberty, though. But, but the statue. The shallow thinkers on the left think that a poem inscribed on the Statue of Liberty back in 1886, I think it was 86, maybe in 83, but the poem that was inscribed is more than a poem, according to the shallow thinkers on the left. They think it's actual immigration law. That what it says on the poem is what we have to do as a, as a country, that it's, it's, it's codified in the U.S. Uh, US law. No. No, no, it's not. There is a wonderful piece that I'm sharing with everybody I can, written by my friend Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review, um, who's got the history of this down cold. And it's partly because he covered this in his book, Stolen Sovereignty, and I want to share some of this with you. The Statue of Liberty poem that the left is screaming about right now, they want Ken Cuccinelli fired for daring to say that we're not following the poem on the, the Emma Lazarus, Lazarus poem on the base of the statue. We're not following that as if it were American law. The Statue of Liberty poem means the exact opposite of what immigrant welfare advocates think. With so many millions of Americans on welfare and so much debt accruing each year, why in the world would we invite new people to come to this country to use welfare? Why would we choose those who, could, who would use welfare when there are so many people in the pool of potential legal immigrants who will not? These rhetorical questions are so unassailable and so rooted in a principle as old as our founding that proponents of mixing welfare with open borders are now resorting to a new tactic. They are contending that President Trump's very modest policy to enforce just a part of the public charge law is against the poem on the Statue of Liberty. Liberals in the media are breathlessly accusing the Trump administration of violating the spirit of the new Colossus, which is the poem written by Emma Lazarus in 1883, placed on a plaque uh, on the Statue of Liberty base 20 years later. Okay, so it didn't actually go up until 20 years later. In their minds, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe, breathe free means yearning to get on welfare. First, in our entire history, from the first colonial era public charge laws in Massachusetts to the laws written by the federal government in 1882. There was an ironclad rule that immigrants should never be a burden on America. 
In fact, just one year before the publishing of the poem, Congress passed the, the 1882 Immigration Act. The bill instructed Treasury officials to inspect immigrant ships for public charges. Quote, if on such examination there shall be found among such passengers any convict, lunatic, idiot, or any person unable to take care of himself or herself without becoming a public charge, such persons shall not be permitted to land, end quote. That's in Section 2 of the Act. They weren't even allowed to step foot in the country. So in other words, if the shallow thinking thinkers on the left are really wanting to go back to the time that the poem was written and added to the Statue of Liberty, then okay, let's do that. But you're going to find out that the immigration laws during the time of the poem were far stricter than Trump's enforcement today. Okay, let's use it then. Let's go there. In 1885, two years after the poem was published, the one that the left is clinging to so tightly right now, in their latest Trump is a racist narrative, in 1885, Congress passed the Contract Labor Law of 1885, which forbade advertising or transporting immigrants to come here for the purposes of cheap labor. Section 5 of that act explicitly exempted higher skilled professionals from the law. In other words, higher skilled people, bring them in. Because they're going to be able to do what? Stand on their own two feet. Become productive members of our society. They won't be public charges. They won't be welfare drags on our society. They didn't even have welfare laws at the time, but you understand the point. They won't be surviving on begging others to take care of them. Six years later, in 1891, Congress added to existing categories of inadmissibility, those convicted of a misdemeanor involving moral turpitude, in addition to felonies, polygamists, paupers. Wait, what? Paupers, and those suffering from a contagious disease. In addition to a full interview with an immigration official, all immigrants had to undergo a medical exam, and anyone found to have a contagious disease was immediately quarantined and then deported. Can you imagine that today? Somebody comes to this country, applies for uh, um, residency, applies for a visa to come to the United States legally, or... God forbid they actually snuck across the border or the river and came here illegally, was found to have a contagious disease, and we sent them back. Oh, my God. Donald Trump and the Trump administration, the Republican white supremacists, are so heartless, they just turned away somebody with an infectious, contagious disease. But yet the same people who would scream that are now screaming that we should support the Emma Lazarus poem. And in the time of Emma Lazarus's poem, we would have turned them away and never allowed them to step foot on land. Think about that. All immigrants who were found to be a public charge in 1891, up to a year. This is a big part of this. Even if you were allowed to come in, but then up to one year after being legally admitted into this country, you were determined to be a public charge because you were not working. You were relying upon the charity of others, if not the state, then you could be deported. Get out. 
You're not doing anything for us or for yourself. You're just a public charge. In 1903, the very year the poem was placed on the statue, so there's our specifics. 1903 is when the statue was added, or the poem was added to the Statue of Liberty. In that very year, Congress added four new categories of inadmissibles to this country. Anarchists, people with epilepsy, professional beggars, and those who import prostitutes. Now, obviously, just kind of gloss over the anarchists and the epilepsy part, because we're talking about public charges. Professional beggars. People who are begging and relying upon the charity of others to, to, to subsist, to, to survive. Those are public charges. So if they want to go back, the left wants to use history to justify its position. They want to use the poem that was added to the statue in, in 1903 as if it was some sort of you know, law of the land that we are now erasing. Let's really look at the law of the land. The historical record shows our values and the policies supporting them were completely opposite of what the left claims. The Statue of Liberty and its poem, they were not for um, destitute people. The poem offers the liberty with which even the poor can prosper, but from their own hard work, not from handouts. The poem wasn't placed on the statue until 17 years after the statue was built. As a tribute to the enlightenment of Americans, America's founding, the Colossus of Rhodes was a monument of the Greek sun god Helios. There's a little history here, but it's worth it. And the poem specifically rejects that old Colossus, not like the brazen giant of Greek fame. Perhaps nobody under, uh, explained the true meaning of the new Colossus and how it applied to American immigrants better than this uh, CPAC address from 2010 quotes Daniel Horowitz. If you read it like that and you really think it through, what are we? A hospital? Is the Statue of Liberty saying to Europe, guys, Europe, you're never going to make it with all that refuse? Send it over to me. We'll take care of it over here. You're never going to succeed with all that riffraff. Come on, send it over here. You guys can get busy and do some work. That's not what it means. Remember, the Statue of Liberty was, was mocking the old system. The Statue of Liberty was used to ignite inside the French liberty. Look at America. Look what they are doing. So the shallow thinkers on the American left in 2019 are completely misunderstanding the purpose of the poem in the first place, and now they are misrepresenting what it says today. They didn't understand what it meant when it was the statue and today they they don't care to understand it but they're going to misrepresent what it means they think it means bring the poor people from all of the world's corners to the united states and we will provide for them we will give them the handouts the charity um whatever they need to survive and thrive that is absolutely not what the poem meant and it is not what american policy is today and if you want to go back to the public charge laws, you can go back to 1883 if you wish. And then fast forward to 1996. As noted before, President William Jefferson Clinton signed the, the new public law, uh, charge laws. It became the public charge doctrine that immigrants that we accept into this country legally will be able to contribute to this country. President Trump has called that a merit-based immigration system. William Jefferson Clinton simply called it the public charge doctrine. We will not be bringing people in here who can just, or who will just rather, sit back 
and allow the state to try to take care of them rather than them contributing to the greatness of the republic. If you want to talk more about this, 216-901-0945, back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 955, we'll get a few phone calls in here before the top of the hour. First one's going to be Dan in Millerberg Heights. Hi, Dan, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Uh, I wanted to commend you for this brief little history lesson. Uh, on my own, I kind of knew not everything, but some of the details you were giving, you know, and I knew how strict America always was of letting people walk around this country and you couldn't get in. And it just, it just seems to me it just shows how people have been uneducated through our, our academic system and indoctrinated into thinking that it's a good idea to just let everybody in and go wherever they want to go. And so I just commend you for that. Well, I appreciate it, Dan, and uh, and I will pass the commendations on to Daniel Horowitz, who actually did the work here and uh, and did the research and, and uh, wrote this for a piece at conservativereview.com. Uh, I'd been waiting for this because he and I was chatting with them on Twitter yesterday a little bit, and I, and I said, I know there's a column coming from you by the end of the day today about uh, the history of the Statue of Liberty and that poem and what the laws were really meant for. And sure enough, he didn't disappoint. Uh, it was right around 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon I was able to read this, and I wanted to share it with my audience. So uh, I appreciate the kind words. I will pass them on to Daniel, who did the legwork here. Um, Jay is in Pepper Pike next. Hi, Jay. Go ahead. Hello, Jay. Can you hear me? Uh, it looks like Jay's phone crapped out at the wrong time. Uh, Parma is our next stop. Bob, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, Bob. Um, <clears throat> I, too, want to uh, commend you for the discussion. Uh, I think people uh, don't know the difference between a statue and a statute. <laughs> and I just, want, just wanted to uh, make the uh, the uh, say that... Uh, my uncle, one of my uncles, was turned away at Ellis Island for an, an illness of some sort on his way over from Finland. My grandfather and grandmother made it through, but he was turned away, and he was probably five or seven years old, something like that, in 1907. And, and I can't even imagine, like I said, if uh, if he would have been uh, you know, trying to come to the United States, particularly across our southern border today. Um, because, you know, you know, and there was a good reason for obviously why he was turned away. And I don't mean to be insensitive, obviously, any more than I would be insensitive today. But, you know, we, we're not about and, and we, we couldn't be as this country was founded and we cannot be today about bringing in people who are going to be potentially uh, uh, a threat of some sort to the rest of the people and the rest of the country. And if you start bringing in millions of people with illnesses like your uncle, did you say it was your uncle? Did I, did I, did I hear that right? Yes, yes, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you bring in people who have infectious diseases, or you bring in people who are uh, unable to, to care for themselves, who are going to be, again, public charges, are going to require on public assistance to be able to take care of them. You, you invite enough of them, you know, thousands, then hundreds of thousands and millions of them, and suddenly you have a dependent welfare state. What country in the free world aspires to be a welfare state? None. And yet, if the United States doesn't embrace welfare state status, we're the evil ones. We're the bad guys. We're the, we're the racists and the bigots, and we're violating the, uh, the spirit of the, uh, of the poem on the Statue of Liberty. It's, uh, it's, it's, well, it's every, madness, Everybody's got to be somewhere, and they've got to have a cause, so 
we're, yeah. we're uh, we have to deal with that. <laughs> Bob, that's very well said. I'm, I'm glad you called. Thank you so much for weighing in on that. That's a uh, that's a great uh, that's a great call. And 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 I know there are a lot of people whose ancestors who turned away at Ellis Island. A lot of people. Again, I just read you the uh, uh, the specifics of U.S. law at the time about immigrant ships coming to our shores. And if you didn't meet the proper criteria for being able to take care of yourself, healthy enough to take care of yourself, where you won't become a threat to other people in terms of the spread of disease or a threat to other people in terms of your inability to provide for yourself so you may resort to taking from others or, again, becoming a charge and begging the state for your subsistence, uh, then you were turned away. And guess what? We weren't racist then. We're not racist now. We're just a nation among all nations that should not be desirous of becoming a welfare state. 10 o'clock, news time now. Dr. Everett Piper joins us next, right? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com.